Father in heaven, we come in Jesus' name, and we seek to come through the indwelling of your Holy Spirit to worship you in spirit as in truth. And we thank you that you have given to us your divine truth through your inspired word that we have before us, readily available for us to draw near to you and for you to draw near to us. And we ask in Jesus' name that through your word and through your spirit, we might continue to worship you, not only expressing the praise of our hearts, but, Lord, engaging our minds into the deep truths of your word so that by them we might grow and flourish and bear fruit all for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of this sermon is Born Overcomers of the World. And I think it's important that you and I understand that being born is a gift from God. And there was a theologian uh, who lived back in the 20th century. His name was William Barclay. Um, he had made uh, great strides in, in his studies and in his abilities to indeed uh, impart truth to people. But one of the things that is um, certain about this particular man is that the fact that he had drifted from the truth and had fallen into error. He was born at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, he was an author. He was a Scottish professor of divinity and biblical criticism at Glasgow. But he took a modern approach to Bible interpretation. He was, uh, as far as denomination, a Presbyterian. He became a pacifist. He was, at best, a theistic evolutionist and a universalist in regard to salvation. But he had a famous quote that I'd like to quote to you this morning. There are two great days in a person's life. The day we are born and the day we discover why. And as he had erred in many ways theologically, because he denied the infallibility of the scriptures, he denied the virgin birth, he denied the substitutionary atonement of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, and he also denied eternal punishment in hell, he also was wrong in this famous quote. Because there are more than just two significant days in a person's life. I would like to suggest to you that there are three. The day that we are born, the day that we are born again by the Spirit of God's grace and the gift of saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then the ongoing days we discover why 
God gave us such a precious gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. That we are adopted as his beloved children. That we are empowered and indwelt by the Spirit. And we are given illumination and an understanding of his word. So that we can love, obey, proclaim, and serve God as we worship together as the people of God to glorify him as members of his church. So that we can grow spiritually and become more set apart for God to live by faith and be overcomers of the world. J.C. Ryle who was a good theologian, said this about this setting apart spiritually and under our faith to become overcomers. He says it this way, though. Sanctification is the outcome and inseparable consequences of regeneration. And then he says this. He who is born again and made a new creature receives a new nature and a new principle and always lives a new life. And I believe John is getting to this very issue of what it means to be born of God in chapter 5. I'm going to be reading from the ESV because I think the ESV does a better job than the New American Standard in translating this first verse. Listen to what it says. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. You see... The ESV, unlike the NAS, offers a better insight to the Greek text in, in verse 1. It provides us a, a more concise meaning of what John was saying. It shows us a clearer interpretation of the spiritual sequence between one believing that Jesus is the Christ and being born of God. Because the verb there, uh, translated born, is in the pers perfect passive tense, meaning that it is a past event that occurred and has continuing effect. The verb that is translated believes is in the indicative present active tense. And it means a present continuing action. And why is this so important for us to know this morning? Because I believe John is stating that whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. In other words, to be believing that Jesus is the Christ, you must have been born of God. A sinner must experience regeneration 
to be believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And James Boyce, in his commentary, says this. In John's understanding, the potential child of God is first made alive by God as a result of which he comes to believe on Christ. Pursue righteousness and love the brethren. Consequently, in this same verse, whoever loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So how are we to show that we love those who are born of God? Well, verse 2 gives us the answer. By this, he says, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we observe his commandments. And just as John had indicated earlier in this letter, in chapter 2, verse 5, he said this, whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. He also goes on to ver uh, chapter 3, verse 23, and says this, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. And then just recently, we remember there in chapter 4, verse 21, John says this, And this commandment we have from him, that, if, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. A lot of times when people hear the word command or commandment, they automatically look at it in a negative sense. They associate it with the authoritative, the restrictive, or the institution of boundaries on that person. And that would be true. For God's command and his commandments come with divine authority which must be obeyed, lest we suffer his consequences. However, John wants us to understand that God's commands and his commandments have a positive kind or aspect to them, for they are for our good, to prove us, to protect us, to prevent us from going astray into transgressions, to breaking the decrees that God has set up and the moral precepts that he has outlined for us to follow in his word, which will cause suffering, hardship, calamity, and judgment unless we keep the commandments of God and live by them. This positive nature of God's commands is to be embraced by us as believers in Christ. Because we indeed have the law of God written on our hearts. Just as the Apostle Paul testifies in Romans chapter 8 and verses 2 through 4. 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did in sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. We do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It is by the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that we can claim just as the psalmist claimed there in Psalm 19, verses 7 through 14, that the law of the Lord is perfect. It restores our souls. That the testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. That the precepts of the Lord are right. They rejoice in our hearts. That the commandments of the Lord are pure. They enlighten our eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. They are sweeter also than the honey that drips from the honeycomb. And by them... Thy servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. And that's why John writes here in verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. One of the principles that Jesus used to uh, deal with, if you will, the religious leaders of his day was this hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders strapping tremendous religious burdens on the Jews. That came from their own tradition on how to keep the law. In fact, in Matthew chapter 23, verses 2 through 4, we read Jesus saying this The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you to do, do and observe. But do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and then do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. It was as our Lord Jesus taught us there in John 14, in verse 15 and 21, he said this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself 
to him. So as believers, we know that God's commandments originate from the love of God. And they come with God's loving grace. God's awesome power through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit so that we might keep them. For we do know in our heart that our Heavenly Father's great blessings follow as we do keep them. And it is because of this, by the grace of God, they are not burdensome to us. As James exhorts us there in James chapter 1 and verse 25, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but a effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Which takes us to verse 4. For John concludes by saying, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You see, the source for being an overcomer of the world comes from God alone and through his word. It comes by his grace as a gift of faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit through which we become proclaimers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because we are born of God. We are overcomers of the world as men and women and young people who are born of God. We are believers in Jesus Christ and we now love God. And we are loved by God. And we are called, as it says here in this passage, to love all others who are part of God's family. How are we to do that? By purposely learning and carefully obeying God's commands in his word. Thank you, Michael. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And as we become people of the word and people who live by the word and fulfill the commands of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we are overcomers of the world. You see, we as believers all have a tendency to fail in this way and to fall into sin. This became very true in my life just recently, this week. Because I failed and fell into sin by not loving my brothers, my sisters, in the way that God loves me. I was unwilling to forgive at a point in time this week as God has forgiven me. 
And I had to repent and go to that person and ask their forgiveness. But beloved, we must know that there is forgiveness with God. And there can be forgiveness from others that we may have wronged and sinned against. If we will but humble ourselves, repent of our sins, ask God to forgive us and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness, and then go and seek forgiveness from those whom we may have wronged because of our own sin. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my burden is easy, my load is light. And in so doing, we will give evidence that we have been born of God, that we love God, that we love his commandments, that we love his people, that we are ones born of God, and we overcome the world by our faith. May we hear the psalmist in that last verse of Psalm 19. And may we be able to claim it this morning. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen.